This is a Federal News Network podcast. The fiscal year deadline is about three full weeks away. The Biden administration has said a continuing resolution is all but inevitable, and it has a long list of extra items it wants to see Congress add to an upcoming CR. The big ticket items would go to disaster relief funding and Afghanistan resettlement, but the Department of Veterans Affairs, Census Bureau, and others would get some additional cash under the White House proposal as well. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to explain where things stand with the CR. Nicole, good to have you on. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So where do things currently sit with the CR at this point? So the CR is, I mean, it's not written at this point, but I think the White House saying that they have a list of items to add to a continuing resolution is pretty much the best sign that we're going to get that that's the path that they're headed at this point. And just time is not on Congress's side to get anything else beyond that done. So, you know, I think it's interesting that the White House specifically said that they have this long list of what's called budget anomalies, and that those are basically changes to the current state of funding that would otherwise pass under a CR, because a CR just extends current funding for an undetermined amount of time. Now, the White House, they didn't want to comment on how long they think a continuing resolution should last, and that's a big outstanding question at this point. They said that, you know, the CR will buy them time to come to an agreement on a bipartisan agreement, specifically on appropriations bills for the rest of the year. They also didn't want to comment on how this whole debt ceiling will fit into the current state of affairs. And, you know, we heard just recently from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that the emergency measures they've taken to address the debt limit will pretty much run out around October and Congress needs to come up with some sort of solution then. Uh, But the White House does believe and wants Congress to address the debt ceiling in some way, as they mentioned, Congress has done previously during uh, past administrations. What's on the White House's wish list on this uh, continuing resolution that may or may not happen? So the big thing, Eric, is the $14 billion they're asking for disaster relief funding. And they say that would cover remaining unmet needs from hurricanes, ongoing wildfires and other natural disasters that happened before Hurricane Ida uh, hit parts of the Gulf Coast and the Northeast last week. And then on top of that, they're eyeing about another $10 billion or so more for Hurricane Ida response. And they say that's an estimate they say they were coming up with this plan right as Ida, you know, was was ongoing. And so they still need more time to assess the damage. But that's, you know, a good chunk of change right there. And then they're asking for an additional six point four billion dollars for the departments of health and human services, defense and state for ongoing resettlement efforts related to evacuees from Afghanistan. They say that those agencies need funds to house evacuees, screen them, that's security and medical and COVID-related screening, and then process them and potentially resettle, resettle eligible refugees to live in the United States. And, you know, of course, part of that is Citizenship and Immigration Services. Apparently, they need additional funding, about $342 million more to ramp up staffing and process those additional refugee applications and address an existing backlog of about 4 million pending cases already. Well, that's a lot. Any other items that they would like to see in it that, you know, maybe haven't been in the news in the last two weeks or so? (laughs) So it was interesting for me to see 
some additional funds for both the Census Bureau and the VA. So the Census Bureau, according to the White House, needs over a billion dollars to cover operational activities associated with still the 2020 census and the 2030 census, plus other projects that they have ongoing uh, in between the uh, those two other census. So, you know, they mentioned that essentially without the funding, they um, have exhausted kind of other avenues in a sense, and they need, you know, more money to kind of keep these ongoing projects uh, continuing. And then interestingly enough, I think the Department of Veterans Affairs, they recently uh, established three new presumptive conditions associated with Agent Orange for certain veterans. And they believe that they're going to get an un, an influx of new claims associated with these new conditions. And they say that VA will face processing and appeals delays with these new claims, that's something we've heard VA say previously, but they didn't express whether or not they needed, uh, you know, more funds to do so. So, the the list from the White House it wouldn't necessarily add more money on top of that. It would basically give VA the authority to transfer existing funds uh, to the Board of Veterans Appeals and actually to the IT shop to, you know, get ready for the anticipated increase in disability claims. Couple other things I'll mention. You know, VA is supposed to set up an asset and infrastructure review commission, and that was part of the 2018 Mission Act. It was supposed to start this coming January, but the commission needs fun- money to get started. And then there are some other kind of odds and ends associated with other agencies, expiring authorities, things that we actually see every single year. Um, but notably, CBP, Custom- Customs and Border Protection, ICE, and TSA apparently need additional funds to maintain their staffing levels, which has been a challenge for them in recent years. So that is all part of the White House plan. I don't know if we're at the point yet of calling this a budget showdown, but this is kind of the first time that Congress and this administration have come to a head about, you know, what's going to go into a budget or into a continuing resolution and so forth. Um, have you noticed any difference in your in your covering of other continuing resolution battles over the years? No major differences yet other than how late this this conversation is happening. I mean, you know, the House has passed a number of appropriations bills for 2022. The Senate has yet to do anything. We haven't seen very many proposals from them at all. And, you know, at the same time, there is a little bit of disagreement on the defense side. You know, the White House wants to kind of trim defense spending down or at least keep it level with what it has been in the past. And you are seeing some Democrats come back and say, well, we think the Pentagon should get more. So there is that. But I would say just the timing, it's going to be a last minute push as always, but perhaps even more last minute than usual. So the next few weeks will be fun. All right. So certainly more to come from Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Thanks for giving us an update and we'll uh, talk to you again soon about it, I'm sure. Thanks, Eric. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. 
phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. 
and you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, DC, I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Pop quiz, what can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. 
This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.